0: Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Okay, now, today we're going to be talking about uh, marriage communication, and this is so important because marriage communication is so much more unique uh, than regular communication amongst people out there. I mean, it's very, very important for us all to understand that marriage communication is very special because whatever you say to each other usually will come back to you. And that means that, you know, you have to take responsibility for the things you say in a marriage. You have to think, take responsibility for the things you do in a marriage. And it's extremely important for all of us to know that the more responsibility we take for what we say and do in marriage, the more integrity our relationship has and the more trust. So, you know, We have to look at why married people stop talking. You know, good communication is basically the lifeblood in a successful marriage. So when spouses stop talking at a deep level, their marriages slowly begin to die, and a marriage will only be as good as a couple's communication. So one of the more sinister reasons husbands and wives quit communicating is that they administrate marriage almost to death. They're often caught in a destructive pattern where they spend their limited time together talking about work, budget, children, chores, and so on. And so the the conversations basically become very transactional. And there's a need to discuss household management, of course, but couples cannot allow business meetings to dominate their conversations. The business of a family is what I'm talking about. So, you know, administration meetings often lead to arguments and and couples become trained to think that talking will lead to conflict and disconnection. So the problem is that husbands and wives unintentionally condition each other to feel that it's neither fun nor safe to engage in a conversation. So they stop talking. You know, the key to positive communication is found in knowing and being known. This means that you're interested in And curious about the person you married. Listen when your spouse talks. Ask open-ended questions. You know, your spouse desperately wants to be known. And I cannot tell you how many people that are married actually don't even know each other. They just know the persona of what they've made of each other rather than the person that they are. You know, the other side of the coin is to let your spouse know what's going on in your life. Volunteer information about your deepest thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, your hopes, your desires. You know, good communication requires a very active, open effort. But you can build a strong marriage if you offer both. Uh, to know and be known. And and after all, no one gets married thinking, I want to make my spouse miserable. Nearly everyone enters marriage with the very best of intentions. And so we have to look at that, and we have to look at ourselves in a relationship and see what it takes for us to be successful. You know, unfortunately, when we feel unloved and disrespected, we often start judging uh, each other, and we start judging ourselves and we start judging how we all operate. And it's, it's very sad uh, when this happens. You know, uh, let, let's say, um, you know, for example, if you have uh, to leave early in the morning and you haven't had time to fill the car with gas, and your spouse promises to go out and take care of it. The next day, as you're, as you're rushing to leave the home, you find the gauge on empty. And you feel a surge of anger. And, and so in the next few moments, you can either choose to believe your spouse just doesn't care or you can choose to believe your spouse made an honest mistake. And honestly, a lot of us forget that, that our spouses do make honest mistakes. They're not bad intended people. And so, you know, we, we cannot, uh, judge each other in that way and, and expect our relationship to be healthy. All right. Now, um, you have to be slow to judge when you're in a relationship. You have to, uh, though we're all good-willed people, we have moments when we're selfish, needy, or even mean and spiteful. And when your spouse shows their, their bad side, it's easy to label them as evil or bad, but your spouse's temporary nastiness must be distinguished from being evil because oftentimes, The real issue is they're venting and they feel safe to vent with you. And so, you know, take that as a compliment in some regards, that if they're sharing themselves and their frustration and it feels like it's about you, but it's not, then oftentimes the the bottom line is they're just venting. You know, your, your may not wish you well sometimes, maybe they're in a bad place. But these exceptions don't go away with their overall character and good intentions. So, intentions is a big deal. You know, what is their intention? So, if you feel like you're being uh, gone after, if you're being sought, if you're being looked at as evil by your partner, ask them what their intention is. You know, you can, you can still choose to see the best of your spouse when you sit down and discuss their actions in a respectful, loving way. And what that means is you become assertive not aggressive with each other, that you talk like adults and they do conflict like adults and you, and you don't try to, to hurt yourselves by saying things and not being able to recover. Right. Now you have to look at also some techniques, uh, basically that people have and a uh, poor communication traits that people carry. So here's a few of them, you know, uh, When we're examining poor habits and recognize we're making some of the same mistakes, we can take steps to improve how we communicate with our spouse. You know, harsh startups, harsh startups happen when we begin conversations with our spouse, with our children, with accusations. And those accusations can be very, very hurtful. You know, if if a husband's first words are, why didn't you deposit that check like you said you were going to do? Or, I just got a text alert from the bank that said, our checking account is overdrawn. What were you thinking? These kind of things leave out intentions and assume the worst in each other. These why questions, by the way, are very motive-based, and they oftentimes lead us to think we're being criticized. People get defensive when they hear why questions. So, you know, criticism. You know, complaints are normal, but criticism deals more with your spouse's character personality, saying things like, you're an idiot, you're such a narcissist, you know, have no sense of humor. These are labels that we place on ourselves, and these labels really don't belong in our lives. We are not labels. We are people. Um, also, you know, contempt, and this results from long-simmering negative thoughts about your partner that turn into disrespect, and basically, uh, what happens is we're, we're not able to really Associate with our partner, we feel betrayed by them in some regards, and uh, we're not really helping each other also defensiveness where we all have a self protective instinct, but becoming defensive with your spouse rarely helps to resolve the conflict and typically reduces the conversation into a blame game. you know stonewalling you know this is a tactic typically seen uh, in a spouse who doesn't want to yield any ground in a conversation. So, this spouse eventually tunes the other out. Men are frequently the culprit here, and it's not unusual for a man to withdraw, sometimes physically, into their cave, cutting off communication for a time. This is also called immaturity. All right, now flooding. This also happens when you or your spouse bombards the communication with negative uh, whether it's the form of criticism, contempt, defensiveness, or any other negative approach. So some people would call consistent nagging a form of flooding. Well, nagging comes from the idea that your spouse has not heard you. Your spouse has not heard you. Huge, huge problem here. And so, you know, you, you have 20, 25, 30-year arguments, and uh, these arguments take place simply because people don't hear each other. They don't validate. They don't respect each other in a way that they actually are communicating. Also, you know, body language is another way in which people have problems as far as uh, communication traits. You know, basically a lot of experts tell us that good communication is more about body language than actual words. So one spouse can shut the other down by sending a clear message by their body language that they aren't interested, they're bored, they're angry, or have quit listening. You know, crossed arms. Angry glares, uh, a blank stare, rolling eyes, a lack of eye contact, turning one's back to their spouse. All of these things can cause huge, huge issues, huge issues in a relationship. The other thing is uh, failing, uh, failed repair attempts. This is so sad because uh, people with Uh, this kind of a relationship where they have a failed, basically connection with each other. If they continue to not be able to, to basically connect with each other and finish their arguments, what really happens is they do this over a long period of time. You need to finish your arguments. That's why you need to stay calm. That's why you need to be able to be very, very flat and straight in your communication with each other to be adults. Uh, When you do conflict, also bad memories. You know, when a couple is consumed with negativity, it not only affects their past, but it can place danger on the future. In almost almost all cases, there are very good, happy memories in every relationship. But if things are too negative, that uh, you know, the the people can't remember the good times and the relationship starts to deteriorate. Now, here's some bad techniques, you know. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff out there on uh, bullet lists on the Internet or marriage through better communication, you know, just all kinds of venues that people can go to. But um, it's really important to try to remember how to keep uh, bad techniques out of your relationship. You know, um, communication results from connection but not vice versa. That means you need to connect from the soul. That means you need to have a love connection. And you do not, it doesn't occur because people are too stupid to figure out common six methods of communication or too brain damage to experience the marriage to remember how they used to communicate. But in fact, the honeymoon phase is full of respectful listening, meaning you're getting to know each other as people from a very intimate uh, relationship, not from, uh, not from, the uh, communication itself, it's the connection that is so important that keeps a relationship thriving, and that means on physical level, on mental level, on an empathetic level, and on a willingness to hear each other's perception. And that is the one key thing in a relationship that will make it thrive, is that no matter what your spouse says, you're willing to actually hear them. Also, um, how uh, communication techniques make things worse. So, you know, when people are emotionally disconnected, the use of communication techniques makes them feel manipulated, and not just because the most popular ones are patently unnatural, but uh, more suited for a therapist's office than a living room. You know, there's almost always a hidden agenda um, in, in uh, when people are fighting, and and so, you know, many, many marital fights begin with one accusing the other of misusing communication as they, that something they learned in therapy, let's say, like... You're purposely not doing it right. Anyone with common sense could get this. I'm validating you more than you're validating me. You know, uh, you're, you're failing. You're defective. These kind of things, you're blaming me. These kind of things are very negative communication styles and call for a lot of defensiveness. You know, why we fight and shut down, we have to look at that. You know, we have to look at it. People do not fight and stonewall for a lack of communication techniques. They fight and shut down because they feel like their partners don't care or aren't interested in how they feel. And so they fight and they shut down to numb the pain and disconnect. You know, connection is basically the attunement, meaning we're attuned to each other's emotional states. And though it doesn't have to be positive, you can tune to your spouse's uh, you know, funeral of a loved one. You're basically mirroring their energy. You're trying to get into their life by focusing on trying to have the energy that they have. And, and um, you know, you really got to connect on that level. And the negative reactivity can be regulated into positive attunement. And that means I hear what you're saying, but I get the feeling that you're upset about this. So you, you start to speak to what you're seeing in their feelings rather than what they're saying. And sometimes that communication shows that we love each other deeper than most people do. And, and you know, before you try to communicate, don't think how to get your partner to do what you want. If you prefer, uh, you know, how to communicate with them is rather ask yourself some questions. Do you want to feel emotionally connected with your partner? How curious are you to learn of their perspective? Uh, Do you really care how they feel right now? What do you love and value about your partner? You know, having answered questions like that, you need to decide whether your connection is more important than the topic of your conversation. And so once again, we get to communication through a sense of desiring each other and connecting. Connecting leads to communication. And you also, you know how to do it. Think of the times when you felt emotionally connected to your partner. You know, communication was not a chore that required techniques, strategies, precision timing, or careful word choice. You were just interested in them, and you put things awkwardly at at some times, but it didn't matter because you cared. You know, emotional connection is a mental state that begins uh, with a, a resolve to show compassion and love. You know, early in your relationship, you chose to feel that connection, and if you want to make it thrive, you need to go back to that sense of connectedness and that sense of yearning for each other. Okay, here's some other mistakes. You know, um, it's often bad habits that get people in trouble, like yelling at your spouse. You know, when you feel angry, you probably start with your voice because anger creates tension, and that tension builds, and you look for a way to release and express it. So yelling out your spouse becomes a quick and easy option, although it often causes more trouble than relief, and, and it may feel good to unleash your tension on your spouse when they upset you, but these the, the sense of satisfaction is often very short-lived after you've yelled at them, whether you uh, say in your angry state it, it is like added fuel to the fire, and so yelling unleashes a lot of strong negative emotion. It also causes your partner to go into fight or flight. So no matter, that means they're not listening. So no matter what you're trying to communicate at that point, the emotion is going to take center stage and make you look psychotic. So that's what captures the listener's attention the most. And unfortunately, whatever you say is very diminished and even misunderstood because you set your partner up to be defensive and frustrated rather than responsive and understanding. And you have to take accountability for that. It's not that you can't express some strong emotion when you speak. You're not a robot. But yelling goes well beyond the line and it sets a stage for an exchange of heated emotions rather than clearly communicated words. Even if your emotion is the message you need to share A purely emotional exchange can easily transform into an exhausting, destructive habit. At some point, emotions need to be communicated in a way that allows you to move past them and not fuel them. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about a few other things that can cause relationship problems in communication, and then we're going to talk about how to improve those communication
0: your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit DRGBMFT.com. Drgbmft.com today.
2: Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together. To provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community.
0: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Okay, I'm on a really good mic now instead of my phone, so this may sound a little bit better. You know, uh, we're talking about mistakes in communication in marriage, and uh, you want to let your words speak volumes to your spouse. You know, when you can keep your emotion in check, Uh, Your message can really shine through, and and that's really something that you want in a relationship. You want that message to be strong and to be clear and to be open, and, and you want to be positive with your partner and reflect on them and validate them and make them feel special. And so what people do is they go into criticism mode, and they basically are not able to focus on their marriage. And, and you know, they, they, uh, they basically channel the communication to go two ways. Excessive emotion it interferes with that. So you take a little time alone to help you ride the wave of feelings and let them settle down. And that means we take a time out. And you never, ever call a time out without calling a time back. And it should be one year, one uh, minute for every year of your life. So if you're 45, take a 45-minute break and come back. But you have to both agree Mm -hmm. that that is the way to go. Also, um, the other thing you want to do is – competitive attitude is something you have to look at. you know we are very competitive people. we uh, like to watch sports, uh, we, we like to get get ahead at work. we have to we sometimes want to do Christmas displays in the neighborhood that beats everybody else. but you have to stay ahead of the game in, in many areas of your life, but your marriage is not one of them. When one purse is always a winner, Both spouses will always lose, you know, maybe a little competition like racquetball or golf or whatever, but perhaps, you know, you can rib each other a little bit, but that's about it. Anything that isn't mutual and playful could build a wall between you. So you have to be very careful not to be competitive in your relationship. And if you find yourself building a case in the back of your mind with supporting bullet points of every disagreement, you may win the argument nearly every time. However, you may do more to exhaust and demoralize your spouse than anything else. So if we're trying to win an argument with our spouse, not a good idea, never a good idea to do that. You know, you also need to think about why you need to win. A person with emotional insecurities may overcompensate by trying to look superior to their spouse. So when they stay on top, they feel strong and more confident. And they may have trouble being vulnerable with their spouse. And so to do so would expose insecurities. And God forbid you expose your insecurities to the one person in your life who is your partner. You know, does this sound like you? You know, does your spouse get tired of your victory dance and your need to always have the upper hand, maybe they just want you to come back to earth a little and start to listen so that you can be far happier and that you guys can figure out how to stay together and how to be strong together. You know, a lot of people make the mistake of trying to make marriage about me instead of we, you know, if you uh, ever stopped, to listen to the chatter that goes on in your mind, most likely it's focused on you and what you look like and how you mess something up and what you have on your schedule and what you're looking forward to. So naturally, this chatter is somewhat biased because it's from your perspective. But how the chatter relates to your spouse, it's all about how much fun you will have later when you expect from your husband or wife the kind of mood you're in. So so you don't want to set up a negative mood with each other What you want to do is not let that chatter uh, consume you. You have to be open to listening to your spouse. You also want to take your spouse's viewpoint and make their day better. You know, generosity and, and considerate behaviors can go a long way towards nurturing a great marriage. Instead of wondering if they'll ever load the dishwasher right or do something you know your spouse will appreciate, Be forewarned. They may not throw you a ticker tape parade because you did it. So don't get caught up in the what's in it for me trap. You know, you don't do something expecting something back. You know, if you continue a pattern of being more generous and thoughtful towards your spouse, they'll eventually say or do something as a response. They might hold their comments back at first because they don't know if this trend will stick. I mean, they may not trust it because it's so rare that you do that. So, you know, they may be wanting to see if this is a generosity gimmick to buy you something. Or is this something that you're trying to change in your life? You know, your message needs to be clear and consistent and let those selfish thoughts pass by and keep doing loving things for your spouse. You know, look at what they spend their day doing and try to do something for them and take some relief off their back. You know, here's another secret about making an effort like this. Feelings follow actions. In other words, you may not feel loving at first when you do these things, but it, it they don't stay anything at first, you may really wonder if you are uh, bothering at all. But keep going anyway. The more you act with generosity, the more you'll naturally feel generous and loving towards your spouse. You know, change uh, marriage communication mistakes by changing your habits. So it takes some practice to change old uh, communication mistakes. It's amazing how much energy between spouses can change so much when just a few changes take place and that is how we communicate to each other. So here's what men need to know about their wife. Many men will tell you that they have no clue what their wives are thinking. Is she crazy? Did she do something wrong? What's the big deal? What did I say? She definitely took that the wrong way so the real question is how do men minimize these thoughts and improve their relationship with their wives and it's rather simple you know she doesn't need to you know she doesn't need you to fix everything men have the tendency to try and fix things when their wives are upset and share a problem but sometimes she just needs you to listen and that's all not solve just shut up listen and validate i understand i hear what you're saying so what you're telling me is this you know her opinion needs to matter. nothing aggravates a woman more than feeling like what she says doesn't matter. You don't have to agree with her all the time, but you have you know you you need to let her know that you hear her and what she says actually matters to you, and also she wants you to be her biggest fan. You know nothing beats knowing that you're husband is cheering for you and cheering louder than anyone else in the stands and and you know what she also needs to know that you really see and appreciate her whether it's a new hairstyle losing 10 pounds a special meal your wife just wants you to verbalize that you can acknowledge something different and you appreciate it she also can use some me time You know, a night out with the girls, a manicure, a pedicure, whatever it is, she can always use a break. If your wife seems to be in a bad mood, encourage her to take some me time and do something special for herself. You'll definitely see a change in her mood. And don't just do it when things are bad. Do it all the time. You also need to tell her how you feel. You know, men are horrible at this, but if you would just explain what's going on with you, you might spare yourself from 110 questions. You know, women typically overanalyze and make assumptions when they don't have information. And when they're missing information, they go on a quest to gather the facts and just tell her what's on your mind, even if it's brief and you just aren't ready to discuss it in detail. At least this way, she has a sense of what's going on. You know, do things without her asking is huge for women. You know, can you please just offer up help without being asked? Even if your wife takes care of the kids' bath time every night without complaining, why not offer to do it yourself? You know, she'll appreciate it. And also, a compliment goes a long way with women. The more important than gifts is simply telling your wife that she looks great or that dinner was fantastic or you're so proud of her new promotion at work. It's not something you do often. Try it. You know, complimenting can go a very long way. And also what men often don't get about their wives is romance matters. Romance definitely matters to a woman. The thing is, you have to figure out what's romantic to your wife. For some women, it's flowers. Other, it's a candlelight dinner. For, for some women, it, it's not having to do the laundry for a week. Some women want to do rock climbing, whatever. But find out what your wife considers to be romantic and make the effort to romance her. And do it often. Now, women, here's what men think when their wife speaks. She says, you never listen to me anymore. He says, I'm sorry. Let me put down the remote and give you my full attention. Now, what he's really thinking is, seriously, babe, all I do is listen because you're always talking. Now, here's another thing that uh, what women or what men think when their wives are talking. You don't love me as much as you used to. Of course I do. I love you as much today as I did the day we got married. But what he's really thinking is, for the love of God, woman, I just walked your stupid toy poodle past my gym while she was wearing her tiny mink jacket. Now I have to drive across town to work out. What do you want from me? Okay, <laughs> so, what a woman is, uh, uh, says, I love you, and he says, I love you too, and then he's really thinking, yippee, I'm getting laid tonight. <laughs> if, if she's saying, can we talk, and he says, of course, let me get some wine and I'm all yours, but what he's really thinking is, oh, crap, no female has ever begun a sentence with that as a segue. We just won the lottery, and we need to figure out what to do with the 38 million dollars. Whatever it is, it's going to be a bad conversation when they start with, "Can we talk?" Also, she says, uh, you know, something like, "My old boyfriend just got promoted uh, at Microsoft, let's say." And he says, "Oh, good for him." But what he's really thinking is, "Great. She's probably wishing she could have married him) <laughs> So, you know, here's some other thing that that, uh, women is saying, you know, it was just such a long day at work. Why don't you pour some wine and get comfy while I change? And he's saying, sure, sweetie, maybe a bubble bath would help. Oh, and your sister called. And he's really thinking, if I can get her sidetracked, maybe I can avoid the play-by-play of her eight-hour day and a bunch of people, and I don't know, and and, uh, and I don't want to give a crap about. All right, now she's saying something like, guess what today is? And he says, I don't have a guess. I was considering where we should go to celebrate. And she, and he's really thinking, I am so dead. If I guess I'm wrong, I'm screwed. If I tell her I don't have a clue... I'm forever a douchebag and uh, forget the date. We just kissed, danced together. Oh, God, what else do we celebrate? Somebody help me. <laughs> All right. Now, here's some tools that we want to use. You know, the, the, the principle of first response is the, this is the course of a conflict that is not determined by the person who initiates but by the person who is responding. You know, you may feel like it's okay to strike at someone verbally because they're picking a fight. But you may, you know, you may be correct, but the person does not have the power to decide whether a fight actually occurs. The power actually actually, rests with the responder. Also, um, if we talk about physical touch, you know, it's difficult to hurt someone while you are tenderly touching them. So a difficult time to apply this principle is after an argument has begun. However, a perfect time is when you know you're about to sit down and have a discussion about something that might lead to tension. And that means we physical touch. You know that you know, some of your topics in marriage are, so maybe it's a conversation about a specific child. Maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe it's your finances. So what you want to do is touch if you know you're going to have a deep uh, conflict. Also, proper timing is so important. The success of a conversation can be maximized if the timing of the conversation is carefully chosen. So, you know, are you a share your feelings type of communicator or just the facts? We have to decide on if you're just the facts, we want to have their focus. If it's sharing your feelings, we need to communicate. I need you just to hear me. You know, uh, also mirroring, and we talked about that earlier, and this is a very magical thing that you should do in all marriages, which is understand uh, can be very enhanced if we measure it often and throughout a conversation. That means that we take the pace and the energy of our partner in how they're speaking, or we tone it down a bit so that they'll calm down. You know, ha- have you ever meant one thing by what you said about the person you were talking about? Uh, You know, it can can make for a very frustrating communication. So, if you're not sure if your spouse is getting what you're talking about, check to see if they hear a phrase a lot. You know, what do you mean by that? You know, ask them if they understand. Ask them what they heard. You know, mirroring can help you test whether you're hearing your spouse properly. You know, uh, repeat it back to them. Say something like, uh, so what I hear you saying is, you know, are you saying, are you telling me? Blah, blah, blah. That's basically mirroring. That's also called validation. And it's very important. You know, it it is very important for us to communicate as listeners in marriage. And that means that we validate. We don't try to solve each other's problems. We validate. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some marriage advice as far as communication and some more tips. (music)
0: us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment do you like what you're hearing on the show today dr gary bell wants to help you no matter where you are he's fast efficient effective and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions if you're ready to change right now drop everything and call or text dr bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The compassionate life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but... If you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Okay, now I'm going to talk about some things that I often hear in therapy as far as marriage communication. And I'm going to try to give some perspective on it. You know, I hear oftentimes uh, people say that they're scared or embarrassed to tell their partner what they really, really want. You know, uh, many people drop hints and get timid when these hints aren't picked up or they don't say anything at all. You know, many clients tell me, The longer they waited, the scarier it became. So more intimacy can lead to more of a willingness to work things out and to really put ourselves out there as far as what our wants and our needs are. A lot of people are absolutely terrified by their desires. And communicating what you want is a scary thing if the other person says no. And it can feel like rejection to the very core part of you. And sure, sometimes like I'm really, really into superhero costumes during sex or whatever is a deal breaker in a relationship. But some people try to get around that by coming forward about their uh, uh, proclivities in the beginning of dating, though this can create a scare them off mentality that's not particularly helpful. So, you know, you want to be willing to hear deep desires because not all our deep desires are going to be logical. And so, you know, it may enhance your life. It may enhance your intimacy if you go towards something that you weren't used to hearing coming from your partner. You know, uh, another thing we often hear is "I, I don't really know what I want. And this is a a common thing. You know, people go into a sex worker because they're hoping that an expert will be able to tell them what they're into. But many people don't even have the language to talk about sex the way that that they can with a sex worker. So, you know, I've heard all sorts of kinks and desires, uh, and if someone has some general words to express that gets them going, uh, you know, they typically will find a way to name it and give it credibility. So clients know that, that uh, I'm, I'm going to give them space in the office so they can actually explore and talk about those things because it's, imp- it's important that they feel safe to be selfish and uncertain and confused. And, and the deal is to offer options and take note without judgment of their decisions because this is part of their character. It's a part of their essence, and you can't run away from that. Also, I often hear that people don't feel attractive or their partner is very uninterested in them. And it doesn't really matter how attractive people are. They tend to feel like they're, 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 their breasts are too small, their, their penis is too small, or their breasts aren't perky enough, their adam- abdomen's too round, their head's balding. You know, uh, it, basically, that's just flesh value. And, and in turn... You want to give them confidence about their own skin. So, you know, many clients are afraid of their partner doesn't want to have sex with them anymore. And even more afraid to ask uh, that because they may get confirmed another no that they don't want to have sex. And so they don't need to ask uh, how I feel about their bodies. I want to show them through a smile. And uh, basically, uh, I want to talk to them in a professional way about themselves and what is good about themselves and focus on what's good about them and focus about maybe their passion, maybe their their sense of, of uh, confidence when they're in public, maybe their ability to communicate, maybe the kind of words they choose. I mean, who they are is more than their flesh. And, you know, the truth is, you know, most of us are not models. As a matter of fact, probably less than one percent of all of us are actual people that could be models. But the truth is, is that we all have to begin to accept our bodies at the age that we're at that doesn't mean they can't be more healthier and improved and by you know if you're an american we are some of the fattest people in the world but the deal is is it's a great idea to take care of your body for your health number one but also it makes you feel better you know to so take care of that and not just do it for yourself do it for your partner because if you're with someone you want to be sexy and you want to think sexy but it's not just your body guys it's not just your body being sexy is about your demeanor your confidence knowing what you want knowing what you like that can actually make you become somebody that's attractive so you know you have to have an ongoing conversation and let your partner know that what is it we can do to improve our sex life and I am willing to go outside of the box, maybe go to see a therapist so we can actually put this on the table and resolve it because I'm not going to sit in a relationship where my partner's not attracted to me. To go your whole life with the animalistic sexual part of you is ridiculous. You know, so also uh, we hear uh, my partner is uninterested in sex or kink. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who have this problem. But the spark may have been gone for months or years or decades. And so these are often people with older partners or partners who have had sexual abuse history or not wanting to argue or pressure their partner into unwanted sex. So, you know, they they feel they could have sexual interactions with their partner. If they could do that, they would often feel better about themselves. If they could actually explore their kinks, their, their uh, sex Uh, original thoughts um, and actually enjoy those types of things with each other or learn to enjoy those things with each other would be a wonderful thing because unfortunately, they start looking outside for someone that has similar interests if they can't get those core values met in the relationship. If you want your partner to do something for you that you like, make it appealing for them to do it, whether by doing something they like in return or finding a way to make it more pleasant. You know, uh, you want to meet halfway or you want to trade. Okay, you like this, so I'll do this, you know, and, and I like this, so you please do that. And and you do it as a, as a trade-off. You could even do love coupons, for Christ's sake, you know, three coupons for each. Guess what you're doing tonight? Guess what you're doing tonight? Well, both of you get a need met. That's not bad. You know, um, make sure... The person you're talking to is ready to hear what you're saying. That is so important when we're starting to talk about emotions and feelings that we haven't shared with our partner. So instead of complaining, ask for what you want in concrete, measurable terms. And you also want to give feedback if expectations are met, even if the effort is good. The other thing is you want to take responsibility to make your boundary needs clear. You must keep talking and that's the only way to make progress in a relationship. So, once again, you know, some major tips to make things better in your communication is active listening. And that means, so what you're telling me is this. All right, I hear what you're saying. You're saying this. That means we're very interested in each other's perception and we're giving eye contact and we're actually communicating clearly. You know, do not sit, sit around criticizing, you know, and putting our partner down. That's the last thing that is the most unsexy, gross possible thing you could do in a relationship is put your partner down. What you want to remind them of is when they did things right. You know, when you did this for me, I loved that. And I want to see more of that from you. You know, cheer them on. Use positive rather than negative. And also, you always want to be gentle with your partner. That's called compassion. You know, if something is bothering you, bring it up gently without blame. And that means we don't use why questions. What we want to do is challenge process. So, that means we use what or how questions. What were you thinking when this happened? How did you decide to do this? We don't attack the negative thing that our partner did. We attack their thought process involved in it so that we can understand how to forgive them. And also, we want to seek first to understand versus being understood. And that means we want to understand their perspective before we try to make them see our perspective. They're not going to hear your perspective unless you're willing to hear theirs. You know, it's so important. Also, open into questions. If you're going to, you know, open-ended questions, start with what, how, where, when. Those are great, great words to begin a, a, a question. What, where, when, how. Anything like that is an open question. They can't just say yes or no to it. The other thing is, in a relationship, it is so important to stay calm and use I statements. you know, that means you're responsible. You know, I want, I need, I made a mistake when this happened. I I could have done this so that you didn't end up doing that. I could have thought better. I could have been in a better mood. Take responsibility for your part in any kind of problem. The other thing is to self-soothe, you know, when you're upset. Take a time out. Go for a walk. Give yourself some breathing exercise. You know, keep your emotions in check. If you're going to do marital conflict, keep your emotions in check. And also, you want to accept influence from the other. Try to put yourself in your spouse's shoes and be willing to go to their perspective and hear their suggestions. Because that means if we're willing to listen to them, they may be willing to listen to us. And also, we want to share appreciation. Each person will feel that they're valued and respected when we may not agree, but we can actually, you know, appreciate the effort that they're taking or appreciate the fact that they're taking the time to open up and communicate with you. You want to make, especially things that we normally don't talk about, turn into a positive experience. And you also want to validate and and, and apologize, even if it's uh, for a perception that they have rather than... Uh, how they, you know, what we're hearing, you know, if they're saying, I-, I thought you were a bad person or I thought you were mean when you did this, you know, apologize for their perception and and that's okay, you know, because we're also responsible for how people see us. You know, we also want to change the the topic of a conversation in a gentle and sensitive manner. You know, if your argument isn't going anywhere, then you want to go to another topic mm-hmm. And then maybe recognize we didn't finish on this topic after you've lightened the mood and gone to another conversation and then come back to it because you may borrow from a positive conversation and have that energy for the difficult conversation. Also, humor, levity can go a long way, but it's so important that the humor is about you and not your partner. It's about you. So don't make your humor about your partner. Make it about you. Make you know. Also, uh, you want to take a break and reappo- re- reapproach later, and that's the timeout—one minute for every day of your life, or every, excuse me, every year of your life. But the deal is, you have to announce when we're coming back. And uh, you know, in general, when communicating with your partner, try to both listen and speak in a non-defensive manner. You owe that to each other. Keep in mind that anger is considered a secondary emotion and it's usually fueled by the more primary emotions related to grief a sense of loss or sadness and fear and it's also disrespect which is not listening you know as, as desired changes uh, take place you want to practice and you want to keep these up you know these strategies can truly truly help help you you know also confrontation be an adult talk to your emotions plain and straightforward speak to them i'm happy i'm sad i'm frustrated but don't demonstrate them and don't use tone you also want to challenge process and not outcomes once again what and how so you're ch- you're, you're you're not attacking the negative event you're attacking the thought process leading to the negative event and this goes for your children too and also you always want to presume the best investigate on your own without communicating until you have the facts and made a choice what you're going to do with them. Faith leads to trust. So that means we fake trust until we make it. And that's an act of faith. I'm going to act like I trust you till I trust you. You have my faith. I have faith in you. That is the way we begin to communicate the need to trust each other. And you have to remember that every conflict is about your marriage. It's not about each other. It's about the the, the, the pact you have together, the contract. All right, that's our show. The next show is Teenage Sex. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, marriage is a relationship where one is always right and the other is the husband. As a man approaching his wedding, prepare to have your spine and your testicles removed because that is why it's so important to ask for great wedding gifts. Thanks, everybody.
0: That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today, and have them tune in next week, so they can be almost as smart as you!